Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now, let's give you something to chew on. Another episode of Chew On This. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. My co-host is here. Kevin, what's up? Teresa Duncan, it is good to talk to you, my friend. And hey, we got a lot to talk about today. I mean, we always, you know. We do. We talked, we actually talk too much. And then like the description, I think the first episode said we are truly dental nerds that need an intervention. <laughs> I think both of our spouses, that's why they like each other so much because they realize we need help. That's why we have separate podcasts room. They're like, just go in there, go shoo away from me. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. So we've got three stories for you today. And Kevin, you're going to start off with, uh, cause you're going to bookend here. You've got two important stories. I only brought one important story to the table. Well, so. you know, there's times we carry each other's water and today, Hey, it's all good. So, <laughs> you know, Teresa, I'm originally from Oklahoma, you know, and I have a little bit of y'all in me. I have a little bit of a Southern accent, but I'm going to talk about the States that bookend tying into what you just said, Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Texas on the bottom and Kansas on the top. And let's start in the Lone Star State because I thought something was really interesting that came out. And I'm anxious to see where this goes. There was a, an emergency board meeting of the Texas State Board of Dental Examiners on August 24th. And what they said during this board meeting, there were three very important things. And then, you know, I want to talk about them and, and let's bring them into light here. First of all, the, the uh, Texas State Board of Dental Examiners said that a dental health care personnel may resume the use of ultrasound devices for hygiene services. They said that dental health care personnel are no longer required to complete full treatment of one patient before leaving the treatment area and go on to another patient. And the third thing that I thought was very interesting is that dental health care personnel are no longer required to change from their scrubs into their personal clothing to head home. Now, they certainly are supposed to take off their PPE and everything else but they don't have to change out of their scrubs. So to me, these were three very interesting uh, little tidbits that they wanted to share. And I think that it certainly flies in the face a little bit of some of the things I know we're going to talk about shortly with, with the World Health Organization has come out and said uh, their thoughts on dentistry are. So the first one is fine, the resuming the high speed. I, and I know so many people in states that didn't outlaw that that are back to normal with it. One of my friends never stopped using it in her office because they are overloaded with PPE and they've got high-speed suction everywhere. They probably apply high-speed suction as soon as you walk in the door. That's how crazy they are with their office. Good, in a good way, crazy in a good way. The other one, when you're done and somebody else can come in and finish up, I mean, assistants have long been able to polish coronally. So right. I don't have an issue with that. In fact, I, I don't think most hygienists would have an issue with that because that's a time saver for them. They can go on to the next one. So the third one is a problem we've had in healthcare for a long time, even before COVID. I think it's really gross when people wear their scrubs and they've been operatory, you know, in an operatory, they wear their scrubs like, like to the food store or, you know, into Starbucks. Yeah. And when I see someone in scrubs, I don't assume they were in like a heavy surgical environment because they usually do change out in that situation. I'm talking like heart surgery and all that stuff, but an admin person or somebody from a dental office with scrubs. I mean, there's, you know, there's stuff all over the place in dental offices. So I'm maybe they're thinking that 
there's no need for them to change because they're wearing so many gowns and they're they're being so I mean that's the theory right they're so protected well and and it, that's the key point it's a theory it's an assumption and certainly all of this to me is a little bit of an assumption uh you know even with the ultrasonics you're exactly right you have to have the PPE in place you have to have the way to contain the, the the splatter and the droplets and everything else that we're so worried about in this COVID age. So I think all three of these things are assuming a great deal about the dental practice. And for the vast majority of you, you're doing this, like Teresa said, and kudos to you for, you've been doing this long before COVID was ever part of our vocabulary. But if you're not taking the proper steps, and if you're not doing the things to protect yourself, to protect your patients, to protect your family, you're cutting corners, whatever it might be, that's where I start having a little bit of a problem with this. And, you know, rules apply for everybody in society. There's times we don't like it, especially when we're running late and we, we have speed to get there. But at the same time, I think that, that there are rules in place for situations like this just to protect your family, to protect the people at a Starbucks when you pop in to get your latte on the way home or whatever it might be. I just got back off a flight and I'll be honest, there was a guy in scrubs on our plane. And I was just like, seriously, you know, tell me either you've come from something, you're going to something, or you just want to show off that you're in the medical or dental professional. I'm not sure exactly why you'd wear your scrubs on a plane, but that's what people do, unfortunately. Maybe he's hoping for an upgrade. That could be, you know. Uh, doctor, doctor, doctor. Uh, so very <laughs> Is possible. there a doctor on board? However, the answer may be even less less healthcare-ish. He might be in between sizes because of the COVID-19 pounds and can't find clothes to fit him. Perhaps he's borrowed someone's scrubs for the meantime. Maybe I should just start wearing scrubs. I mean, it'd be a huge pace for the sweatpants. Listen, I'm I'm not going to lie. When I was assisting, you know, of course, wear scrubs, and then I transitioned into the front, and I kept a pair of scrubs in there. And sometimes I went to work in scrubs because they're really comfortable. Really? When I was pregnant, finding a scrub maternity top was simple. I didn't have to worry about, you know, dressing <laughs> up and all that kind of stuff and belly popping out everywhere. So, well, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I think the doctors who are going to cut corners on PPE and not, I apologize, Griffin has made his appearance in case you couldn't hear. Griffin. <laughs> the mascot of the show. So the ones who are dealing with PPE and wanting to cut corners, they're not reading any guidance whatsoever from anyone. Agreed. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. <laughs> and, you know, and one thing that I have heard, and Teresa would love your thoughts on this, is that there were a lot of people who were very vigilant whenever practices reopened. And that vigilance has waned, shall we say, uh, you know, and I think that's a little bit of the scary part in my mind is just that all of a sudden we were not as as strict on things as we once were. Well, you know, the problem with regulation and double checking on things is that you need time to do it. And that was something that prior to COVID, there was always a lot of issues. I'm not sure what the PPE says, though, about those scrub bottoms that are whale tail showers so you you know what i'm talking about the the thong 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 sticking out <laughs> i would love to hear what the guidance is on that because i'm pretty sure exposing your butt crack is not part of that what would you think you know covid covid doesn't mind what part it attaches to let's just put it that way we'll leave it that. <laughs> so how did you contract covid oh you know i bent over to get a spatula <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
so I guess we can uh, direct people to the 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 board. Yeah, I'll certainly we'll put the link in in the show notes so that you all can see what that is. I, I'm very curious to see where this goes, and obviously, you know, it's something that when one state decides something. There's a little bit of a domino effect. I mean, obviously, that's something we've we've seen for quite some time. So, how does this play into what will be a very interesting fourth quarter for our industry, uh, especially the unknown of what's coming uh, in terms of health and everything else? So, I'll be very curious to see. You know, it's funny when you said what's coming. There, there was a time when I would have been like, "What do you mean, what's coming? Like life is good." But now, when you say what's coming, I'm like, "Eh, you know, fires, looting. I don't, whatever. It, whatever. Like we're just numb to it now. Like." Was it in our neighborhood? Okay, great. Yeah. And that's not cool. I mean, that's not cool that we're so desensitized. No, to it. you know, maybe a cat four hurricane here and there. You know, who knows? I mean, just oh my god, God bless those people that are going in. In is it Laura Lo, Louise's? Who's Laura? Yeah, the hurricane Laura. Yeah, yeah, that who are in Laura's path. God bless. So, was there anything else you wanted to add to that? No, story? I, I think the biggest thing is just know that that's happening, and I think that's what we always try to do on this podcast is let people know some things that we're hearing about through the industry, and let them know that it could eventually trickle down to them or could eventually impact them, no matter what state they're in. Uh, so that was just something that popped up on my radar, and I'm like, I'll talk to Teresa about that, and maybe, just maybe, we'll chew on it. We'll chew on that. So, you know, as far as dental boards go, there are some that are way more active than others, some that are more of an advocate than others. And if you're wondering, is your state one of those, you probably want to hit up your dentist or, you know, look at the look at the statute yourself to see if there is a lot of stuff passed. Yeah. Because there are some boards where it's like crickets. They don't meet very often. And, you know, because there's just nothing going on in their state. Right. But Texas has been known to. I don't, and no offense to anybody here, but I think they probably know the reputation. They have a reputation of being very knee jerk in their, um, and slow to change. So I know that that's hard to reconcile, but knee jerk, meaning if there's enough of an outcry, they definitely take it to the table. And then slow to change is something I've heard for years and years uh, about, about Texas and, and some other dental boards. So you should probably know in your state, whether or not you have a very active dental board. And there's no reason too that you, I mean, there's no reason to not get involved. They could certainly use volunteers in every position. And it is certainly interesting to see how the sausage is made. Absolutely. Yeah. You get that peek behind the curtain and see how the wizard pulls all those levers. It's uh, interesting, scary, uh, lots of adjectives you could use there. Well, so speaking of pulling back the curtains and seeing, like, maybe exposing all the warts and everything, let's talk about the WHO, the World Health Organization, because they're not, I don't think very much of them at all. I think they've got lots of warts and lots of crazy wizards pulling levers that don't make a lot of sense. Uh, so, so, Kevin, as you know, there was a issued, the WHO issued a notice that said, uh, avoid dental care, you know, avoid elective dental care if you can. And basically that sends the message that, you know, your dental office is just filthy. You really shouldn't go in right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And dent and dentists across the country, rightfully so are really mad about this. And the frontline team who answers the phones and, and has to deal with people checking in, they're getting those questions too. I, mean, I definitely, you know, even our office had uh, people canceling because of that uh, recommendation. So you, you have this, you know, where the who doesn't think about these things. They don't think about how that just 
the dominoes are going to fall. That's like saying to Starbucks, hey, you know, you should probably not go buy any coffee from Starbucks, but you can have the pastry and you can have, you know, the oh, moon yeah. chips or whatever. And Starbucks would be like, what? So, I mean, that's really, that's really what they did. And so what was your, you heard, you are over at Dr. Bicuspid as an editor. Did you hear anything about that? Well, you know, the funny thing, and, and funny is maybe the wrong word, but you know, we live in a society right now that is so uh, splintered on so many levels, politics and uh, social injustice and everything that's going on in the news right now. But I think we found the one thing that brings us all together, and that's that's uh, the Who's recommendation and how adamant people were against it. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you were the HD, the ADA, whether you were a group, uh, the ADSO came out with a statement. There were lots yeah. of people who said, this is wrong. This is hurtful. This is something that simply isn't true. And, you know, and, and to me, it went back to what you and I have talked about on previous podcasts about how that dentistry has been so into infection control long before we knew what COVID was, long before anything else. Uh, you know, dentistry was quick, to, you know, use that for lack of a better term, to react whenever the HIV AIDS crisis came into play. And we suddenly realized that Oh, we actually need to wear gloves in the practice and protect ourselves in the practice. Uh, you know, ever since then, I think dentistry has done a very good job of protecting itself and its patients. And this was a very blanket statement by who, uh, you know, applying to not just the United States. You know, if you really take a look back everywhere and, and how dentistry is done in the United States versus other parts of the world that maybe don't have the resources that we do here in America. It's it's really hard for me to throw out a blanket statement and say this applies to everybody because very few things apply to everybody in our country or, or our world. In re response, well, actually, it's not in response. I think this was coming out. I mean, it was a study, so it's not it's not like it takes like two minutes to put it together. So the the California Dental Journal just posted an article about the effects of COVID nineteen in people with periodontal disease, which is pretty eye opening. I mean, it basically states that. Let me read. There's a a summary of it. Uh, the new study links gum disease and COVID-19, suggesting the virus is more severe in the presence of inflammation that is caused by gum disease. Uh, bacteria in the gums travel through the body and spreads IL-6 protein, a harmful inflammatory. It sounds harmful, right? IL-16. And high levels of IL-6 is a predictor for respiratory failure, carrying a 22 times, 22 times higher risk for respiratory complications. Our mouth has a ton of plaque in it. Nobody's going to, not a ton, but you know, various levels. Very plaque. Nobody's going to argue about that, but definitely there are patients who are more susceptible to COVID if there is inflammation. I think, I think we already knew that um, in the dental industry. So I'm glad they published this so it can kind of get out a little bit more. The point of coming in on a regular basis is for us to check the health of your gums and to measure whether or not you're at a high risk yeah. and also breaking up biofilm, um, also making sure that your oral bacteria is healthy. There's a lot that goes on other than just, Hey, Mary, what's going on? And get in here, we'll clean your teeth and you know, here, wear these glasses and all of that. I, I would love to have more conversation about that. And if you have vapors in your office, I would think this is something to really talk to them about it because COVID is a lung attacking disease. So I'm guessing that that would be something to talk about as well. Well, and I think that 
you know, I've heard from several dentists that COVID actually gave them the opportunity to really talk about the oral systemic connection and to really talk about the mouth versus body health. And, and I think that anytime we can start that conversation, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, there have been some silver linings come out of all of this. And I think that that's one for our industry is that our patients are very uh, aware now of their health. They're very aware of staying safe. And as you said, with periodontal disease, uh, with so many ways that inflammation of the gums can affect the body, uh, especially respiratory right now with COVID, it's, it's huge. And it should be a, a way for us to open the conversation and, and not be worried about where that conversation is going to go. And, you know, effective treatment plan presentation is all about that communication. So if this gives you an intro, every time, anytime I get an intro to approach treatment with a patient, I would jump on it. Like if they said anything about wanting to go on a vacation and they want to get their teeth cleaned and, or perhaps, you know, they have a wedding coming up and they want to make sure they get crowns eight and nine in there. I am shameless with it. I'll jump in and say, you know, you were just talking about that. You may want to get a move on. And, you know, if it's, if it's warranted, of course, I'm not going to sell treatment that's not. But this is a really good opportunity to talk to your patients about perio disease. If I'm if I'm back in the office and I'm, I'm going to send this stuff to my old office anyways. If I'm an office manager, I'm going to take a look at the show notes that we're going to put on the the chew on this website, and I'm going to download them and distribute them to the team in my And I'm also going to start a campaign using whatever service you use to let people know about this possible link and not phrase it as you know, you've been filthy for a while, come on in. But basically a public service announcement where you say, we realize you're in touch with various people and we wanted to let you know that this is a study that just came out. If Joe with huge gums, huge puffy gums is taking care of her mom, then maybe that thinks, maybe that makes her think about it. So hopefully we can use this as a PSA. And it's also very, it's scary. It's really scary because when you, you look at all the people who still vape and smoke. I'm still amazed, yep. you know, by that. So if they can't get the message on a simple thing, like don't smoke and vape, how are they going to get the message that, look, you've got like bleeding in your mouth. How Yeah. go ahead and fix that. So that's on us. I mean, d- dental team members, that's on us. We got to, we got to step up our game and let them know about this stuff. Well, and, and Teresa, how many dental practices, dental personnel have you talked with that they're, scared of offending their patients or scared to bring it up in a conversation. And I'm like, now is actually the perfect time to do that because again, there's such that heightened awareness of health at the moment. And, and I, I think that we, we can't be afraid as an industry to, to leap into that pool and say, here's what you need to know. And here's why you need to know it. Uh, you know, and I hope that that's a, a fourth quarter resolution for everybody listening to this and all the practices out there, because I I think your patients need to hear that message. And especially, as you said, if they're still vaping, if they're still smoking, if they're still have chewless tobacco or a smokeless tobacco, I should say, uh, important messaging right now. I do think that when a patient is armed with this kind of stuff and it's, it's kind of right in their face that they'll pay attention to it. The the California dental journal that I'm going to link I would not send that to the patient. <laughs> I would say, hey, this is where you can find the information if you want to read it, but here's my thoughts on it. So, and honestly, if you're a, a dent, dentist who's comfortable on camera, to go for it, you know, or the hygienist, go for it. Get it on camera, put that on your 
list and gives you an excuse to talk about other things too, as far as, you know, perio disease being linked to, you know, prostate cancer, fertility, all that kind of oh my stuff. Gosh, absolutely. I can tell you, you can go on com, and all you guys search for is oral systemic connection. You'll be amazed the research that is out there right now that you can share on, on how what happens in your mouth connects with everything. And, and I, I know we know this and I know we're preaching the choir, but I can tell you there are people out there who have no clue whatsoever. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the changing workforce. There's new people coming into the office all the time that may not realize this. I, I definitely trained people who I found out smoked later. And then when I was like, hey, listen, this is what's going on. They were like, oh, I never knew. So, I mean, you have somebody brand new that's never been in medicine at all. They're not going to know what any of this stuff is. Oh. So it's a good team meeting. I think it's a good team meeting. I was going to say, that's a great idea. And, and you're right. How we have shifted as an industry in terms of who our, our dental personnel now are, you're exactly right. So, so many of them have come from outside the industry and may not know the things that we know. So don't be afraid to share that internally. And yeah, you're right. If you're looking for a lunch and learn idea or a Monday morning huddle or whatever it might be, man, great thoughts. I love that you said COVID is the excuse. COVID is the best excuse we've ever had in the dental practice. Yep. Gives you the excuse to talk about raising your fees. Gives you the excuse about why you needed to go off of insurance. Gives you an excuse on why you're using different protocol, like lasers, for example. You want to keep the spray down, all that kind of stuff, and make it fast and easy. And dear patient, this is a service for you, which we've been saying all along, but it never really landed until, of course, now. Okay, so the, the who can kiss my patootie. Let's just Ooh. say that. I'm not happy about that. And honestly, I, I I know the ADA came out with the response and good on them for doing that because that's just, I don't know who complained to the who. Maybe the, the director had a deep cleaning or something. What do you think? I think it's very possible. I know Horton heard a who. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that. So, well, I <laughs> you- you are you are a dad. You're you, you've been a dad for years, and it's just shown up right now. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's move on to the third story that you had for us. Yeah, so we talked about Texas earlier, and now let's go on the other side of the Sooner State and talk about Kansas. And there's some really interesting things going on there. And I, you know, we don't have all the details yet uh, as of the time of this recording. So I'm real curious to see where this goes as well. But there is a movement underway for assistance uh, to do uh, in, in that state. And Teresa, correct me if I'm wrong here, but in that state, they were always allowed to polish above the gum line. But now we are talking about that the dental board has decided that they can now go below the gum line. And so obviously this is drawing the attention, shall we say, of the dental hygienists in the great state of Kansas. And it's causing a lot of what the heck is going on questions to be asked. So when we were researching this story, we both came across this article from back in 1998, where the Kansas State Board had had passed a resolution where an assistant with specialized training could scale above the gums. And we were like, okay, so this has been around a while. So making the push into below the gums is just honestly... I was an assistant. I would never go below the gums on a patient because I don't know what I'm doing in there. It's it's not just anatomy. It's also tactile. I mean, hygienists and dentists spend years learning what they're actually scraping on or what they're taking off because, you know, it feels different to them sure. when they're trained. I'm a little concerned with this. And, and the first round in 1998, there was the allegation that there was a shortage of RDHs. And at that time, the ADHA said there is not a shortage of RDHs. This is something else. 
So I'm guessing with this one, it's also a shortage of RDHs that is causing, and I think there's a shortage of RDHs most places, honestly. There are. And and again, that's something that I think has happened with COVID, uh, that there was a shortage beforehand. And obviously, there, I think that has been escalated in several parts of our country, including the rural parts of our country right now, you know, and 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 Kansas it's a it's a great state great people but i will tell you there are some rural parts on western kansas that i've driven through several times between denver and tulsa and it it's tough to get people from outside that area to come in and be a part of the medical or dental community in that area i I've, I've heard that first so i think what we're talking about here is obviously one side perceives the need while the other side says that need isn't there. And then I think somewhere in the middle is the actual truth. And it falls to, you know, and Teresa, you and I were talking about this before we went on air. You know, so many times whenever I've talked to assistants in the past, they do something in the practice because the dentist says, well, you can do that. You should do that. And they don't check with Danby to make sure it's actually legal to do that. Or, as you stated, they may not have the training to do that, but they're still put in this position now that, you know what, it's okay, just go ahead and you take care of that while you're in there. And, and I think that we have to be very vigilant on both those points uh, because we're not only talking about the assistant's career and livelihood, but you're talking about the practice's reputation, livelihood, and chances for any legalities to come back against it. The issue about Danby, oh, we should probably say uh, Dental Assisting National Board, is Danby. And, and one resource that doctors should know is if you want to find out if your assistant is truly licensed, like he or she is stating, you can go on there and do a, a lookup. But what's really good about Danby is you can go to your state and find out exactly what assistants are able to do uh, and not, more importantly, not able to do. So that's a really good resource. It's it's Danby, D-A-N-B.org. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Honestly, I, I don't know of many high assistants that are going to want to do this if they're not paid more, because this is where you're getting into production levels and an assistant, it is cheap labor if an assistant's doing that, but that's not fair to the assistant. They're doing something that's, that could possibly be outside of their scope of practice. And unfortunately there's no national barometer of what a, what a dental assistant should do. So state specific, but these, this is one of those times where I wish it wasn't your point though, about being rural is a good one. I, would love to just address the new hygienists and new dentists that are listening. If you want to be one of the only places in town and you want that easy lifestyle living where you can spend a lot of money and get a lot because the cost of living is less, the rural areas need dentists. And those people are willing to travel. A lot of them don't have traditional insurance because they're self-employed or, you know, and plus everybody's working from home nowadays. So I think you're going to see that sprawl accelerate the urban sprawl. I I don't know. I don't know if, if the rurality, if that's even a word, is going to matter in the future because of all of this, you know, shifting where people can work from home, which means they can buy further out. Yeah, the way that we're more connected now and the way that there are even internet, high-speed options, everything else out in rural areas. A friend of mine, uh, his mom and dad actually live on a farm in Western Kansas. And you, you know, if you drop somebody from New York or Chicago or Atlanta there, they'd be like, what is this foreign place? Where am I? You know, <laughs> but I will tell you his mom and dad just got like 
high-speed internet that rivals what I've got here in suburban Denver. Wow. Uh, and, and, and to me, that was really a, a cool thing because we think of people in these rural areas not having the same advantages that we do. And in terms of shopping or in terms of you know convenience, maybe there's not. But in terms of technology, there absolutely is. And I think what you just said about terms of opportunity as well, it's definitely there. I don't even leave the house hardly anymore. I mean, I have like three things, three places I go and the rest of it is delivered to the house. So, I mean, what do I need high speed technology for? Definitely my webinars. Like that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for, for much else. So yeah, I think oh, it's all working so differently. My husband goes back to work in the office, I think mid September, end of September, later this month. And I'm not sure if he's even going to do it because the office keeps flip-flopping. And so we'll see. And that, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about last episode with, you know, the cities seeing a lot of flight from the cities. Absolutely. And and I want to make sure that we hit two, two real important points, at least in my mind, because the more that I've spoken to assistants through the years, the more I realize that first of all, many of them don't know what they're legally allowed to do or not do in their practice. And secondly, they're being told by their dentist what they're legally allowed or not to do in their practice. If you're an assistant listening to this, if you're a dentist listening to this, absolutely. That DAMB.org that we talked about is so vital because every state is different what dental assistants can or can't do. And, you know, we have a dear friend, Tia Hunter. Uh, she lives in Illinois, works in Missouri. What she can do in that 20-minute drive across the Mississippi River is night and day from her home state versus her work state. And so I think that we've got to realize that uh, assistants are a vital, vital part of a practice's success. And if you're not using them to their fullest extent, you're missing out on a huge opportunity in your practice. But if you're using them in a way that they're not supposed to be used, that's a huge red flag. And, and I guarantee you, we could spend a whole podcast and more talking about all the times that I've heard of dental assistants being caught doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing and dental practice being fined and all the things that go along with it. It's just not worth it. Uh, you know, and I'm going to make that very clear. If, if you're an assistant and you don't know, or you're a dentist and you don't know your homework right after this is to find out and to ensure it. And, you know, we were talking about opportunities for a, a lunch and learn or a, a Monday morning huddle, man, let me tell you, knowing your duties, that's a huge one right there. I will share with you uh, one time when I interviewed somebody for an assistant position and I, I saw this on the resume and I said, I got to find out what's going on here. She looked, she looked like a good applicant anyways, but her resume said uh, she could do endo. She could, she could perform endodontics and this is an assistant, right? So I was, I was like, okay, what's this? You know? And she was very nice. I actually wanted to hire her after this, uh, but we, it was somebody else that we went with, uh, I said, how do you, how are you doing endodontics? I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. And she said, oh, you know, I don't do the whole thing from beginning to end, but you know, a lot of times after they're filing and they get the, the, the file in there, what I can do is I can continue to file while the doctor goes and does an evaluation or I'll hold it steady. I'll irrigate. And I was like, oh no, oh no, oh, oh no, you do not just do that. And, and I said, you know, very gently, I said, I don't, actually think you're allowed to do that as an assistant. I think that's outside the scope. And you could see her face was like, what are you talking about? Like it never occurred to her to 
to question it because the employer told her to do it and never occurred to her that it could be against the guidance. It could be, I don't know if it's against the law or not. I don't know. I guess the board would want to take issue, but she really believed that she was doing more than her job duties and and God bless. She was proud of it. And she should have been if she was truly doing it, but but she shouldn't have been doing endo. So I, I think that's, I think that's very interesting. So just a tip, if you're out there and you're an assistant and your doctor is making you do implants, place implants or endo, listen, that's not cool. <laughs> good, on, good on you, but that's not cool. <laughs> and, and Teresa, I will tell you, you know, I have, I have said that I don't know how many times in these assistant classes at Midwinter and greater New York and everywhere else around the country. And doctors will come to me after it's furious that I've actually said this. Yeah. And so if you're a doctor and you're really upset that we're saying this right now, maybe that's an indication that that's, that's not a good thing in your business. Yeah. And you know, the, the goal of being a manager, my goal was always to protect the practice, not necessarily the doctor, but the practice itself. And, you know, I, I got to tell you when there's a bird on your head, there's a bird on your head, doctor, you're not supposed to be doing this stuff with your, your team. You got to make sure you're all legal. If somebody complains about that to the state board, forget it. Your, your goose is cooked. Absolutely. But you said something that we haven't talked about, which is amazing. Uh, we have not been able to talk since the news about midwinter came out. Oh, you're right. Uh, so midwinter uh, for 2021 Chicago midwinter, which is one of my favorite shows is now virtual. It's it going to go virtual. Now, were you on that program? I was not. I'm on for 22. I was not. 22 as well. Um, you know, so yeah, we do the even years at Ignite uh, with the dental assistants there. But to me, that was a real eye opener. Uh, you know, I know uh, the Rocky Mountain Dental Convention here in Denver has gone virtual. That's in January of 2021. But I can tell you, speaking to a lot of industry contacts, everybody had circled, oh, well, midwinter, We'll be back. It's going to be okay. That's going to be our big coming out as a dental industry. That's that's a big blow, honestly. Uh, I think for morale and I think for business as well. It's huge because uh, Chicago Midwinter, for those of you who aren't <laughs> aren't convention hounds like we are, it's the place where new uh, equipment, new technology is usually debuted. And Marty Jablo, Paul Fierstein, um, oh gosh, fluky. John Flukey. John Flukey, yeah. I know. I'm so sorry, Flukes. <laughs> they usually do a really great program that showcases all the technology. Celerant has their whole tour of technologies there. There's a lot that goes on at these meetings that the industry actually depends on as far as getting the knowledge out. And I'm really sad because there's also a lot of great parties that go on with the Chicago Midwinter. Think back to Chicago Midwinter 2020. I mean, we were sitting there around the table. And we had no idea what was coming three weeks later. No idea. And I thought back to that, those moments so many times and us taking the selfies and laughing around, you know, going to the lunch buffet there and sitting there talking to the other speakers and everything else. And three weeks later, world changed. And, and we're still dealing with those changes now. Yeah, it's, wow, no more no more big spreads at meetings as far as, as dinners and lunches now. And I've got an issue with that, I'm just going to tell you. I mean, for real. So we're going to end up getting like box lunches and stuff, which is what Greater New York generally does, which is why nobody eats the Greater New York food. Yankee, as far as this time of recording, Yankee Dental in January is still on and we're both there. So that's actually my first in-person live event of 2021. I honestly think it's going to get canceled too. I got to say it. Yeah, I I will tell you, Teresa, you know, uh, as of the time that we are talking, Greater New York is still on. Technically, technically it is. 
Technically, Greater New York, technically Yankee are still on. Both are. I, I love going to those meetings uh, because, as you said, I'm a meeting hound, and it's a great place to reconnect in person with people like you to learn about products, everything else. But I, I would not be surprised at all if we lost both those in the, in the coming days after the, the midwinter announcement came out. So Greater New York is always fun only because that's around your birthday. You've made the track up to celebrate my birthday with. Solely for your birthday. I got on a train solely for your birthday. His his lovely Dana, his wife Dana, threw him a party is what I'm talking about. Great place. So Greater New York, I have my suspicions on why they haven't canceled. And for those who are not convention hounds, this is something that drives a lot of decisions. If you cancel a meeting, you have to give money back to all the vendors who had done deposits, given deposits and so forth. Perhaps you've prepaid a speaker or something like that. If you wait and you have to cancel closer to for pandemic reasons or whatever, the pandemic's still going on, then I believe that there's, you know, they can, I think it's better for them insurance wise, right? But like, say, for example, they canceled it today, like Chicago, you know, just recently canceled. If there's no pandemic going on when when it was time for Chicago to have its meeting, the vendors would be like, well, you canceled, there's no pandemic, the insurance wouldn't kick in. People, they'd have to spend a lot more money to have to give the money back. So I'm guessing with Chicago, they, they're doing it now before they collect like in full, all of the events, you know, money and greater New York. I just, I think they're waiting until it gets closer and it's, it's going to, they're going to cancel just like ADA. ADA did the same thing. Exactly. And, and I think it's up to the different um, meeting planning uh, groups on how they handle it and how they push that out. And, but no, there's, there's no question that this was a big, big announcement when midwinter, um, went virtual. Uh, and, and I think, again, it, it's going to be disappointing for not only a lot of people, but I think it's going to be a kind of a, a little bit of a gut punch for our industry as well. And we've talked about it with the WHO uh, declaration and everything else. And there's just been these little body blows that have happened to our industry over the last few days and weeks. And it just feels like to me, and maybe I'm, I'm putting on my Debbie Downer hat here, it feels like that we just kind of keep taking these punches and eventually you know, will, will that have lasting repercussions on the industry? I'll be curious to see. I, I do think that it's, this is changing events in general. I, there's been much more interest in online webinars, not just single webinars, but series of webinars. Yep. So I think we're going to see uh, more and more of those pop up. I was honored to receive an invitation to speak for the Seattle Study Club Symposium, which is typically in person at a very nice place, but they're going completely virtual. Yeah. for this symposium, which means I have to record my stuff live with pro crew. And I have to, you know, hope that I don't mess up. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you and I both know as, as speakers, we feed off the audience a lot of times yeah. and, you know, and, and off their reactions. And you can tell if people are into something or if they're ready to move on with a topic or whatever it might be. And, and for, for me as a speaker, and I'm going to assume you as well, it's really harder virtually to present in some ways because you you can't gauge the audience interest in in something and dive a little bit deeper into it if they want to. That's what I miss is the diving deeper. So I think I'm actually a better presenter virtually because I don't miss anything. Let me, let me just qualify that. I don't miss anything. What I want to talk about, I talk about because it's, it's my time. I'm not getting interrupted with questions, but I do miss the questions so we can go into that deep dive. You know, if, I, if somebody asks a question about secondary insurance, you can see everybody pop up like, oh, what's she going to say? And I realize, okay, I was going to talk about that later, but let's go ahead and wrap that up right now. It, that's the energy that I'm talking about. I do think, though, my courses are more 
not that they were inaccurate before, but I think they're more true to the true to its purpose, I guess. I don't know how else to say that. I'm not missing any points is what I'm saying. And I mean, you've done that too, Kevin, where you've gone into a speech, you you killed it. And then you're like, oh man, I really wanted to talk about that. We just didn't have time. And and I have ad-libbed. I've I've taken the exit off the highway a couple of times because of what the audience was interested in. As you said, their, their ears perk up and you see that. And you're right. Maybe something you intended to speak on, you don't all of a sudden. And something you didn't, you do. So, so yes, I, I feel like online is much more structured. It's much more, uh, I am going to stay on the highway and I'm going to get there. Uh, but I miss those exits there once. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a good way of putting it. So we, we started with three stories and then we totally went off the mark, just like we were talking about. We, we gave you four. Yeah. We, yeah, we do that sometimes. <laughs> so you have four things to chew on, four items to chew on. I hope that you do go back and share this with your team and that you're able to make some changes in your office or at least be aware of it. Any last parting thoughts, my dear friend? I think the biggest thing that I've taken away from today is that people are trying to figure out how to adapt to change on a lot of levels. And and I think it is a constant wheel in motion and, and a constant moving target for all of us. And, and obviously we wake up and the world changes a little bit each day, it seems. So I want to make sure that listeners stay flexible, stay in the know, Find, find those dependable sources that you can talk to. Hopefully we're considered one of those. But the biggest thing is, I think, just stay positive and, and really try to stay ahead of what might be coming. Yeah, that's the biggest piece of advice I could leave. Not COVID-19 positive. Oh, God, no. Not that. But <laughs> zippity doo you know, sunshine day, everybody's smiling positive. How about that? I'm sorry. I had to throw in my... My dad joke. So sorry. Oh, so we got one in each. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we need to stop this before we go down a completely different Dr. Seuss tangent. Tangent. So, <laughs> all right, dear listeners, as always, we appreciate so much the time that you spend with us. So on behalf of Kevin Henry and the dental podcast network, I'm going to say later. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew On This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.